Hey, trivia fans! Looking for an exciting and unforgettable way to add some fun and friendly competition to your events or team-building sessions? Last Call Trivia has you covered. Our unique web-based app allows players to participate individually or as a team, making it easier than ever to bring people together, spark curiosity, create connections, and make lasting memories. Host your own trivia anytime with our new subscription and experience the best in interactive entertainment. Even remote attendees can play along. Check out lastcalltrivia.com forward slash shop for more information. Welcome to the Last Call Trivia Podcast, the official trivia podcast of the Galactic Empire. I am the Grand Inquisitor of Trivia, James, and I will bend you to my will. Our trivia empire cannot be resisted. Our new brain destroyer shall finally bring order to the galaxy. How do you work this thing? Attention! This is Rebel Commander Kelly Kitko. We are taking over this Imperial broadcast. To bring hope to the Potterverse, I have assembled a ragtag team of trivia experts from across the Outer Rim who will be showing their work and talking through the thought process behind each of their answers as we go. I am joined on this dangerous mission by the brave members of our Rebel crew. Let's meet them. Never tell him the odds. It's James Flippin. Kelly, you know, I'm so excited to be on this side of the Sabak tables. <laughs> and that boy is our last hope. It's DJ Taylor. Kelly, I am here to do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> and isn't he a little short for a stormtrooper? It's Omen Thomas Sade. Judge me by my size, do you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is fun already. All right, and our guest of honor, host of the illustrious Star Wars podcast, Return of the Pod. He's an actor, he's a writer, and he's a big deal in the resistance. It's Brian Sullivan. Yay! As we say on our show, many boats, and I am at your service. (laughs) Brian's podcast celebrates the Star Wars universe and gives listeners a tour through new and old Star Wars stories each week. Return of the Pod embraces the canon, warts and all, providing a positive space for fans and proving once again that love is the way. Brian, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where our listeners can find you and your podcast? Oh, well, thank you for having me here. Thanks to Omen an old friend. Well, he himself, I'm old, he's not, but known him for a while. And Almond, as I like to say, and, and have been telling people all day today, he is gifted and he's also a gift. Uh, but yeah, I'm an, I'm an actor and writer and working at doing both and doing this podcast on the side with my co-hosts, Matt Romano and Caitlin M. Bush. And we have a wonderful time just celebrating the positivity throughout, including some flaws. We always look for the bright side, as sometimes I want to say, which makes no sense, the softer side of Sears. Uh, <laughs> and just because if there, there are a lot of things to worry about and complain about in, in this world in 2023, and Star Wars isn't one of them. This is our fun <laughs> thing. This yeah, is... Ryan, can- can I ask you, what made you first fall in love with Star Wars? Like, I know for me, it was definitely lightsabers. So I just wanted to ask hmm. you, what was it that first made you fall in love with Star Wars? Yeah, it's such a good question because it's been in my life. Like, I, it existed before me. I remember images of, you know, a R2-D2 trash can and I had the toys. But the first one of the movies I watched is Return of the Jedi. And that's why it's always my sentimental favorite. Because my father taped it off HBO and he said, why don't we watch this tonight? And I'm so young, I don't even know what he's talking about. (laughs) Somewhere around Luke on the sail barge, catching the lightsaber and igniting Mm -hmm. it, and it's green, and then he just goes ham on everybody. (laughs) That, I was like, my heart expanded a million sizes. And then when the Ewoks came out to save the day, I loved it. I was (laughs) the prime audience for that. I loved it. And you know what? I still do. And I was doomed from that moment on (laughs) because there are things you get out of it as a kid 
the lightsabers, obviously, blasters, adventure, fun. As an adult, you get, especially recently, ethical dilemmas, hmm. moral quandaries. What spirituality, mm-hmm. what do you actually believe? What lessons can we take from this? Selflessness, sacrifice, service. You get different. It's really for everybody. It's obviously mostly for kids, but everybody can enjoy it. Uh, Brian, you bring up a really good point in that, you know, good sci-fi takes ordinary human problems, casts them against a fantastical backdrop to create a sharp relief. So you can see the humanity with that bright light behind it because the fantastical setting helps you examine those really ordinary human problems. Brian, I'm so excited to have you here. To your point, DJ, that's exactly what Shakespeare did. He set his plays sometimes in Italy which was a galaxy far, far away for the for the English. And uh, Shakespeare is actually how Brian and I met each other, and I'm just so excited Aww. to have you here. You're one of my favorite people on this or any other planet. Aww. You're Aww. one of mine, Omen. And, and, and I got to say, DJ, I agree with you. It's not all going to be for you, and that's okay. Right. Sometimes Star Wars is talking about Isaw Guerrero right in saying genocide is okay to fight mm-hmm. fascism and sometimes wow. it's jar jar stepping in poop on the street it's <laughs> it's both of those things and anything that can encompass all of that is something quite special agreed brian we thank you and we thank your father for videotaping or bootlegging return <laughs> of a jedi however many years ago so that you could join us here today as our expert in today's pod blast we will be challenging the last call trivia team with star wars themed questions that previously appeared in last call trivia shows and cantinas and spaceports all around the galaxy our podcast show has two rounds of trivia with three questions per round There's also one bonus question in between the two rounds and one final question to close out the game. Before we dive into the game, a quick reminder that if you enjoy today's show, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating if your streaming service of choice allows for listener reviews. We'd really appreciate it, and you might even get a shout-out on the show. And if you would like to learn more about all of Last Call Trivia's products and services, visit lastcalltrivia.com for more ways to get your trivia fix. Let's start off with round number one. I will read each question aloud for our trivia players, and the team will then have three minutes to discuss and decide on an answer. In addition to their answer, they will also need to choose a point wager. Now, the point wagers in round one are one, three, or six points. And the team can use those wagers in any order they choose, but they can only use each wager once per round. So the strategy here is that they'll want to save the higher wagers for the answers in which they're most confident. The categories for eagerly anticipated round number one of our special Star Wars edition are controversy, opening crawls, and voices. All right. Hmm. Okay. How do you feel about those? Yes. <laughs> o- opening opening crawls, did you say? Well, I was, I was hoping this wasn't going to come up. There's some words that I have trouble saying. Brewery is one of them, and, crawl, <laughs> and crawl is another, but you know what I mean. The opening cr- yeah, crawl. Yeah, 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 I, just, yeah. I just can't pronounce it correctly. Oh, I mean, you pronounce it when it comes up in the question. All right. <clears throat> in the category of controversy... What is the name of the bounty hunter involved in the infamous Han shot first controversy? Oh, yes. Fun. Now, we should probably dedicate a lot of time that we have here to discussing whether or not Han really did shoot. (laughs) Well, this is interesting because it's one of the earlier Star Wars controversies because it happened when George Lucas did the first remaster from the 97 special edition. So this originally appeared on VHS. And this goes way back, you know, this is back when internet was primarily chat room. So, Brian, have you talked about this on your show at all? Yeah, it's an odd progression here of what happened. The first round of special editions changed it because the original that we grew up with, Han shoots under the table, blast. That's all we see. George Lucas thought, Han's not the type that would just kill in cold blood. So he had the character, sh- the the bounty hunter shooting first, and then Han shooting in self-defense. It just bounces off the wall. The effect right. wasn't that great. Around when they put them back out for Blu-ray, they changed it again. Yep. And they were kind of shooting then at the same time. Right. Wow. Then 
They had a little fun with it in Solo, A Star Wars Story, when Woody Harrelson's character, Beckett, is about to teach his final lesson to, <laughs> to, to young Han. And he says, my final lesson, always, and he's he doesn't get it out, but you know, he's certainly going to say shoot first, and Han does. He just blows yep. him away. Yep. But now, if you watch it again on Disney+, Plus or have a digital copy of the movies, they've changed it again, and not in who shoots first. They've added the bounty hunter in question says McClunky before it happens. Right. Nobody knows what that means. It right. hasn't come back again. <laughs> it's just this weird. It's like, what is that? That scene is going to change every couple of years for the rest of our lives. <laughs> It'll be like the original vision for Fantasia that, you know, there'd be a new version every few years, but it's going to be this character and, and Han Solo in the cantina at Mos Eisley. Yeah. This is actually the very first film that was released. This is A, a New Hope, isn't it? In the, mm-hmm. Yes, it in, is. In the first yeah. half of the film. And Brian, and just, to your point about the 97 special edition that first changed it, because it was edited from film, it wasn't digitized yet, the effect that they have, they literally yank Han over so that the bolt misses when they, yeah. that's the original like revised effect. And it looks so utterly janky ridiculous that I, you know set aside the story part Last from an call. editing standpoint i can't believe that fox and george lucas were okay with the final product oh and if you think that's where there's the moment where han digitally steps over the inserted job of the hut's tail oh that's, yeah, that's a whole that, other that's, thing. that's a whole other thing but so, yeah it's, it's but that's think, the first special edition is a special place in my heart yeah. I think we all know the bounty hunter's name. And yeah. Brian, we have a little tradition here on the Last Call Trivia podcast that if we all think that we know the answer, we can, what we, we call can three, three, two, one, two, one it. it. Yeah. Kelly, we, do you want to count us in? Is, that, is anyone to. interested in a species? There are no bonus points awarded for species <laughs> other than the pride and honor that comes with knowing that information. Okay. Let's see if we get the name right. Then you can, let's, then you can let's drop start the with the name. All right. Sounds good. And we'll count you in with three. Two, one. Greedo. And what wager are you guys going to put on this answer? Six blaster bolts. Still everything. All right. So the question was, what is the name of the bounty hunter involved in the infamous Han shot first controversy? Your answer was Greedo. And based on the conversation, I think you guys were pretty sure from the beginning that in fact, that is correct. Good job. Six points to the team. And just for, for the honor and pride and affection of the Star Wars universe, Brian, what is the species of this character? Rodian. Ooh. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. Well, actually, I have a fun fact about Greedo, which I'm sure Brian knows, but no bonus points for this. The voice that you hear in A New Hope sounds like it's an alien language, but actually it's a native South American language called Quechua. Quechua was the language that was used by the Incans some 500 years ago, but even today it's spoken by about 10 million people who live in the Andes and other mountainous regions of South America. But that being said, if you were to take it to South America and show people, it wouldn't necessarily make a lot of sense because apparently they just strung a bunch of random words together. They didn't do like a a translatable (laughs) version of the dialogue. So Indiana Jones mentions it once. That um, that is correct, actually. (laughs) I actually have heard Quechua spoken in Ecuador because it's the area of the mountains are they go up from Quito in the Andes. That's It's still really common there. And often what you find is kind of a mix of Spanish and Quechua spoken together. Absolutely. Do they shoot first? <laughs> so, I'm very fast with the blowgun. I think we're ready for category number two, whether or not I can pronounce it correctly. Opening crawls. Nice. What film's opening crawl begins with the word war followed by an exclamation mark? Your three minutes starts now. Huh. It's interesting how in the original trilogy, they had these real grabber sentences at the beginning. And then right. the opening yeah. for Return of the Jedi is a full paragraph. It's like, this is happening, but in the vile clutches of Jabba, it's like a comp- just one long run on sentence. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the prequels with episode one famously mentions trade routes being in dispute in like the second right. sentence. It's like, what? <laughs> and it's wonderful now. It's hilarious now. I'm like, yeah. wouldn't want to be without it. And then, of course, one of my favorites is Force Awakens. Luke Skywalker has vanished. What right. a way to, mm. to pick up your sequel. Right. But the one word exclamation mark belongs to one movie in particular. Indeed. And what's interesting, too, in the original trilogy, the OG name of Return of the Jedi was Revenge of the Jedi. 
Yes, and yes. You have to remember in the OG trilogy, you know, George Lucas started his filmmaking career as, as something of an auteur, right? So THX 1183 and American Graffiti he had some real filmmaking kind of background when he came originally to Fox with the idea for Star Wars. And it was a bit of a risk to go in that sci-fi direction. So he had editors and he had, you know, sort of the structure around him that sort of reined in some of his more, shall we say, interesting impulses. But by the time of Return of the Jedi, he was starting to have more editorial control. But he was actually talked out of the, that original title, Revenge of the Jedi, as you know revenge not being an appropriate concept for jedi and so then it became return but he really liked that word and it came back around mm. i my recollection is that they had actually printed the posters you know the movie yeah. posters yep. and they had to reprint all of them yep you can still get them people people have them it's a yep a re, they, i think they probably still reproduce them because they're popular mm. but the originals those are collectors items one of my favorite moments of adaptation within the whole franchise is in The Clone Wars, how they take that crawl that we're used to from the films and translate it into the voiceover. Yes. That says, things are happening yeah, in right. the galaxy. The Republic like the, the is crumbling on the Count Dooku. And General yeah, Grievous oh, is here. So much. It's what so are they much going fun. to do? Last call. Well, and that was the goal, right? Like it was, it was supposed to resemble the old Flash Gordon serials in terms of the crawl. Yeah. Like it's literally lifted straight out of Flash Gordon. So um, so, super so fun. Brian, we'll give the glory to you. What is the film that starts with the word war? War. It is Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Ah. Indeed. And what point wager would you guys like to place on that answer? Three fantastic, well... Films. I, I don't want to say prequel, <laughs> sequels, or OG because that's just a judgment. We'll just say three fantastic mm -hmm. films. All right. For three points, the question was, what film's opening crawl begins with the word war, followed by an exclamation mark? Your answer, episode three, Revenge of the Sith. That is correct. Good job, guys. Huzzah. Nice. Was it absolutely correct, Kelly? Only a correct. Sith deals in absolutes, Omen. Okay. <laughs> the, 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 I have a feeling by the end of this, you guys are just going to start like doing the dialogue from each movie like beginning to end. Oh. This is going to be like an 18-hour podcast. Don't threaten no. me with a good time. <laughs> That'd be a big boomer. All right, then moving on to, to category number three, voices. I have a feeling DJ is going to have fun with this because he does most of the voices on our show. Who provided the original voice of Yoda? Oh, 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 oh awesome. I know this one. Very nice. Yeah, I well, bet we can think, three, two, one this one. I think it's important yeah. to remember what technology, and I will, I will use that word, was used to create not only Yoda, but a mm -hmm. lot of the other creatures in the original series. This is before CGI, and I think that for a lot of us who grew up on those films, there was a bit of a mental transition or a visual transition when they did start utilizing CGI because it was so different from that original technology. Right. But I will they, they, say in Attack of the Clones, when you see, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, turn off the podcast now. But when you see Yoda for the first time with a lightsaber, I remember so clearly the experience of being in the theater and seeing that moment for the first time. And there's certainly valid criticisms in terms of, you know, story and pacing and all that jazz. But to speak to Brian's point about the celebration and the mm -hmm. love and the joy, I don't think I have ever felt a sense of elation in a movie theater like when Yoda whipped out his lightsaber and went ham on Count Dooku. Like, just absolutely lost my mind. Yeah, it, yeah. It was one of those w incredible have-to-be-there-with-an-audience moments. Right. Because the audience lost it and then yep. when he fights Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith they lost it again and that is one of my favorite duels and you just can't do that with a puppet and they tried to bring puppet Yoda back for episode one it looked weird and they yep. mm -hmm. did it now the any version you watch will have a CGI Yoda but Omen, like you were saying, there's a charm because a lot of those guys were coming. They were talking about this at Celebration 2023 this past week. They were coming right out of things like the Dark Crystal. And, right, right. And it was just doing all of that there. And they got away from it for a while. But then the sequels were bringing a lot of that back, a lot of puppetry back. And there's Mandalorian nice mix. is bringing yes, a lot yeah, of it yes. back. Famously, to the point where they're shooting for Grogu. They weren't sure the puppet would work, so he, they are 
putting, you know, CGI backups around it. It was Werner Herzog who said, I forget the exact quote, but he said something like, you are cowards. Just use the puppet. The puppet will be fine. It's like, be fearless. And told them, it's like, don't bother with that because he fell in love with the actual Grogu the object. puppet. And it gives the actors something to work with. I remember McGregor says at one point, he was joking about the filming process and he was like, well, you look over here and it's a green screen and you look over here and it's a green screen and <laughs> everything around you is green. And then George Lucas is saying, no, you're riding the Bantha harder. And he's like, well, there's no Bantha. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, by the way, so so Jim Henson Productions provided those, those original puppets and the voice actor for Yoda was a very common Jim Henson collaborator. So we know the voice of Yoda from other things too. I think you guys want a three, two, one this. Let's yep. do it. Let's do All it. right. And the answer in three, two, one. Frank, Frank, Frank Oz. Oz. And you only have the one point left to wager. So the question was, who provided the original voice of Yoda? Of course, it was Frank Oz. Good job, you guys. Yes. I have and a, Brian, uh, can we get Yoda's species also, by the way? No, that's that's a mystery. We don't know what they're named. We know that Ooh. it includes Grogu and also the Jedi Master Yaddle who we see in episode one and in the animated tales of the Jedi and some comics. We have never found out yet what the name of that species is, but we do know that Yaddle doesn't talk like Yoda. Apparently we found out Yoda's the only one who talks like that. It's a choice he made, so a choice it is. Talk talk out of order, I do. He Judge also me doesn't not. do it all the time. Brian, so. are you challenging DJ for the role of our voice impersonator on the podcast? Because <laughs> no, no. you're, you're I, doing I, a good job. I, I, w- I wouldn't dare, but I, so I, I honestly, I, it's because I can't help myself. I have, uh, a, I have a fun little fact about Yoda, if you guys are interested. Yes, please. Hmm. Well, George Lucas was so impressed by Frank Oz's performance as Yoda that he actually spent thousands of dollars on an advertising campaign to try to get Frank Oz an Oscar nomination for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. And unfortunately, the campaign didn't work because the Academy at that point did not consider a puppeteer to be an actor. And it turns out that Best Supporting Actor that year went to Timothy Hutton for Ordinary People. Not sure how he stacks up against Yoda. Who puppeted him, Kelly? (laughs) Isn't that the question? Probably Mm -hmm. Frank Oz. I, I mean, they still won't. They still won't nominate Andy Serkis for these things. So it's the more things change. Dot dot dot. Right. Wow. I thought about that when I read that. Actually, that you know, it's evolved so much with motion capture and every other kind of performance that I anticipate there might be a new category introduced at some point. But it is now time for today's bonus question. The rules for the bonus question are a little bit different. So here is what we have in store. The answer to this bonus question will be in the form of a number. The players probably won't know the exact answer to the bonus question. Brian might know the exact answer to the bonus question, but that's okay because the idea is for them to give their best guess. At live Last Call Trivia shows, the top 50% of teams that get the closest to the exact answer win one bonus point. Since our trivia team isn't playing against anybody else today, the writing team has set a predetermined range that their answer must fall between in order for them to get the point for the bonus question. And today's bonus question, as though I haven't said this challenging word enough already during this episode, including opening crawls, how many total times is Dooku's name mentioned in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Oh, wow. What a question. Oh, that Where did that come from? Right? <laughs> remember how I mentioned our writers are a group of Kowakian lizard monkeys, so there's your proof. I I mean, for first off, you have me account Dooku cuz there's just something I can't explain it in love with Count Dooku. Oh man. And it's now Mr. we have Lloyd. to count the Dookus. Yeah, there's at least one in the episode two crawl. Mm-hmm. There's at least one in the episode three crawl. There okay. might be more, but I know we're working with at least two. Yoda says it once, mm-hmm. and then Obi-Wan says it in Revenge of the Sith. When Yoda says it, it's Dooku has. He says it in Attack ha- of the Clones, too. Yeah, when, and, and when he does interrogating him. count Dooku, and um, Obi-Wan says Dooku, that, that's six. Padme says, I think Count Dooku was behind it. He's a political idealist, not a murderer. And then they don't do <laughs> Count Dooku after that. So we're talking like at least seven 
What what's our spread here? We never know. That's we don't the, know that's, for sure. That's yeah. the issue. I mean, it's a good thing they're not including Clone Wars because then we'd be crift. But <laughs> does Ango Fett ever say it when he's because he speaks to him? No, he refers to Darth Tyrannus. Okay. Oh, um, okay. And I don't right. think Newt Gunray says it, if memory serves. Uh, so at least seven, I think, to cover our tracks, we might want to go like nine or ten here, because there's yeah, probably a I, couple we're missing. They're on the side of more, probably. Yeah, it's bothering me that I don't just know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brian, really, you, <laughs> yeah, should, too, you should be hard Brian. on yourself about that. You I should was, be better uh, about I was impressed up, up until this moment, now... I find my my affection fading. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. I just, I just want to say that... Oh, I just I'm wanted sorry. to note it's so sweet that he's a count, by the way. Like, just, yeah. just an awesome title for that character. He, he had to give it up when he became a Jedi. When he left the Order, he took it back on a planet named Sereno. Also, just Christopher... That is Christopher Lloyd. Am I incorrect? Christopher Lee. Christopher, Christopher Lee. Thank you. Christopher Lloyd is somebody else. <laughs> Christopher Lee... Christopher Lee is such a spectacular actor and a kind of historical figure almost yeah. he's don't forget he was in the ma- british sas <laughs> oh i, I, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't forget that for a moment yes all right so brian based on your estimation and i think we should trust your impressive count through the script there i think we should go with 10 yeah i think dj you said you were thinking 10 yeah that was my first instinct was 10 I was running through the same scenes that you were and feel like there might be a couple of minor scenes where he's mentioned and to hedge our bet, I think 10. Yeah. There's, yep. there's, yeah, there's going to be a few stray dookus. There always are. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. To confirm here, the team's answer is 10. Yes. The question was, including opening crawls, how many total times is Dooku's name mentioned in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith? The team said 10. The actual answer, 30. Oh. And the oh. range that we were looking for was between 20 and 40. So I, I am shocked to the core. I think that if given enough time, Brian would have recited both movies in their entirety and counted them up, but with a three-minute time limit, just not possible. But I do have a fun fact about Dooku. Yes. Mm. Uh, I don't since even Omen... care. No, I do. I'm sorry. Well, I'm just living. I'm living in shame. It... This it is celebration, Brian. We're full of love. No shame. I heard Omen misstate it as Christopher Lloyd early on, okay. and in my mind, I was doing the invitation that Brian did later of what it would be like to have Christopher Lloyd in that role. But as you noted, it was obviously the amazing Christopher Lee who portrayed that role, and in real life. Lee was an expert swordsman, and he prided himself yes. on performing his own fight scenes throughout his very long film career. However, by the time he played Dooku, he was already 80 years old. And so the physical requirements for that role, like the speed and coordination needed to execute those scenes, was really demanding. And so what they ended up doing was using a stunt coordinator, Kyle Rowling, to do the physicality of the fight scenes. And then they digitally placed Christopher Lee's head on the stunt person's body. So Lee had to act against the aforementioned green screen in order to match the motions and the facial expressions that were needed throughout that scene. Wow. Yeah, wow. He also survived being stabbed. So, I mean, at 80 years old, I think he probably earned a stunt double for those scenes. Yeah, absolutely. At the time, I remember when the prequels were out and and we were seeing Count Dooku, the Lord of the Rings was, was hitting us around the same time, and he was... Saruman, and then he's Count Dooku, and he had a outrageous career and yeah. a baffling number of credits, and then just kind of much later in life just becomes this. Everyone's like, "Oh, have you seen this Christopher Lee?" He's it's like, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> also the only one of the Lord of the Rings cast to have met J.R. Tolkien. Oh. Yeah, yeah, wow. He right. he read it in, every it, year. Moving on to round number two. In this round, the point wager options available to the team have updated to either two, five, or seven points. And just like the first round, the team can only use each wager once per round. They just have some higher options to work with. So the categories for round number two are characters, origins, and quotes. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Very nice. (laughs) And vocal impersonations by DJ. In the category of characters, which character is the first to utter the famous I have a bad feeling about this 
line in episode six, Return of the Jedi. Your three minutes starts now. Oh, that's a that's a fun that's a fun twist on that question. It's mm. Return of the Jedi, so not the first character to say it, but to say it in a specific movie. That's that's fun. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Episode six, I, right, right, right. Six. I think I know, but I'm not. I'm not really totally sure. It it happens early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, is it in the palace? Not yet. It's, no, it's, it's on um, route to the palace, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. It's a yeah. So I do know who I do know who it is. I very think. famous for his nervousness. Yes. And right. Isn't he also the first one to say it in the series in general? Doesn't he say it first in A New Hope? He says it early on in A New Hope when they're on Tatooine. I always thought that the Return of the Jedi, his saying it was a callback. You know, again, that's something I feel like I should know. Whenever I think of it from A New Hope, I think of Han Solo saying it. Right, mm-hmm. right, but um, but this character says it says it first. I'm almost positive. I've watched A New Hope recently. We just went through Andor, Rogue One, and A New Hope in a single sitting. And oh, that um, sounds amazing. It was fantastic. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Just was mind blowing to see everything in context and the timing. But I remember this character says it like very early on, and it was one of those moments where I realized I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, and I didn't realize that Han Solo wasn't the first to say it. But it's hmm. not Han Solo who says it first. Hmm. Yeah, I, I remember he definitely says, I'm going to regret this. Yeah, the yeah right, right, right. Not Han Solo, but I, yep. I, I, he, prob- he probably does. Yeah, and, and actually, James, you were right, because it is inside the palace. It's like okay. right as they're going into the the main, further right, like into the, the palace. The door rolls up and they yes. decide to go in, yeah. right? They've yeah, already yeah. met, you know, Bib Fortuna. He's like, I want a longer. Jabba Nobada. Yeah. <laughs> what what language is he speaking Spanish by the way, Bib Fortuna, or is that just Java? I, I think Java makes everyone speak Hatties. Yeah, that's okay. it's no longer canon, but in the legends novels, that's actually stated outright. Did okay. they use a I don't know what they call them, but a not an exolinguist, but somebody who whose job it is to make up fantasy languages? Did they use somebody on that not at that early degree, stage? Not to the degree that you would see in something like Game of Thrones with Dothraki, but they did have consultants. Keep in mind this is in the eighties. So, you know, different expectations of the time. So it wasn't to that degree, but they did have consultants on set who specialized in linguistics. So I think based on us talking around the character, I think we can probably three, two, one this one as well. I think so. All right, let's do it. Well, then we'll read the question again first. What character is the first to utter the famous I have a bad feeling about this line in episode six, Return of the Jedi? And the team's answer in three, two, one... C-3PO. How many points are you placing on that? Seven Dreadnought class cruisers. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah. All right. For seven, whatever DJ just said, you guys are correct. Good job. I have a fun fact about C-3PO. Oh, yes. Yes. hmm, the actor who played the role was, I know you all know. Anthony Daniels. Anthony yes. Daniels. And you can perhaps imagine it was difficult for him to wear that costume. But one thing you might not realize is that at least on the first film, the costume did not allow him to sit. Mm-hmm. So for the scenes where C-3PO is seated, the costume had to be partially disassembled to allow for that. And that may not sound like a big deal, but if you imagine that you are in the Tunisian desert and it's taken nearly two hours to get into the costume and you oh can't gosh. sit down for the next 13 hours of filming and then repeat that for the entire shoot. All right, moving on to the category of origins. Mm. Known for its ace pilots and large starships, what planet is Han Solo from? Oh, geez. So is... we referenced Legends, and, and if you're not familiar with that, that was the official sequels to the original Star Wars movies up until Disney bought the Star Wars franchise from George Lucas were the novels that took place after Return of the Jedi. And li- the, the, the novels in terms of timeline that took place after the Return of the Jedi literally started the next day with an alien invasion basically from the distant past of the galaxy. And so all of that became non-canon when Disney bought it, but there's a, there's a whole series that deals with this planet and goes into great detail. It's heavily polluted. There's an ancient galactic artifact in orbit around the planet called Centerpoint Station that has this really deep, detailed mythos and lore 
Brian, what can I ask what's your feeling about, you know, all of that Legends material? And are there any elements that you see in some of the modern properties of Star Wars that you like? Absolutely. I, I, I love this, especially beginning with Heir to the Empire. Everybody read that because after Return of the Jedi, we thought that was it. Right. So there was this period between Return of the Jedi and when the special editions happened. They say they're going to do one, two, and three. We had books and we had West End games, and that's it. And we loved it, and we were happy to have them. Yes. Um, yeah. But now, so we had Timothy Zahn did his trilogy. They kept right. making them. They did a, a lot of intrigue with with the planet you're talking about, and then of course they brought in the Yuuzhan Vong, yep. and that was a whole different thing. They're now taking bits like. Grand Admiral Thrawn has already come back to Rebels. There right. He's going to be on yeah, the Ahsoka yeah. show. They're really taking some Mandalorians on the yep. whole. You don't. They're not mentioned in any Skywalker saga movies. Right. There's a lot from Legends that they're taking, and the word we kind of use is recanonized. Even though, if you still love those stories, they're still there. Right. No one's getting rid of the books. There are right. great stories there <laughs> right. that I still love reading. Yeah, but, well, the comic books too. To your point, I mean. One of the best scenes is the comic book where it's an interstitial set in the original trilogy timeline, but Boba Fett tells Darth Vader the name of his son, and there's this amazing scene where Darth Vader, standing at the bridge of a Star Destroyer, cracks the transparasteel, which is the legend's term for that that type of glass is actually a form of steel, but he Last cracks call. it with the force out of the the, re, the emotional reaction he has. So it's they're amazing properties. They still have the same emotional and, heft they always did. Yeah, and that comic you're talking about, that actually is canon. That right. was after that they decided is. all books and comics are canon. Right. Yeah, but that's such a cool moment. Um, but the pl- but the planet in question, anyway, it's Han mentions it. I think it's only mentioned once in the original trilogy, and it's a backwards mention. It's not like he talks about a planet. He talks right. about it's a kind of ship or where the ship's manufacturing. But Solo, a Star Wars story, cemented it in full full canon once and for all. And what's it called, Brian? Corellia. And, and the, the freighter that Han flies, known as the Millennium Falcon, is a Corellian YT-1300 freighter missing right. its shuttle, right. as we learn from the Solo movie. Bingo, and bingo. how many points on this answer? I think we should put five Corellian freighters on it. Here, here. I've modified smuggling panels. Five <laughs> dashes Rendar. <laughs> All right, the question oh, in the nice. category Origins... Known for its ace pilots and large starships, what planet is Han Solo from? The team says for five points, Corellia. And of course, you guys are correct. Good job. Yay. Uh, Fun fact about Corellia, which I have a feeling that Omen is going to either know this off the top of his head or be able to figure this out from the look of it. We actually see Corellia in Solo, A Star Wars Story. And set decorator Lee Sandala said in the DVD commentary that he modeled the film version of Corellia on his idea of what city, Omen? Oh, I, I don't know. Oh. Give me a hint. What country is it in? Tampa. Your favorite country. Italy? Yes. Oh, it must have been either Naples or, or Rome. Neither? In fact, neither. It was his idea of what an industrial version of Venice would look like. And as it turns out, they actually filmed the scenes in Southampton, England, but the inspiration for the look was the Italian city of Venice. Hmm. That makes sense, because there's like, oh, look at this wonderful picturesque, it's like a storybook. And then you look a little to your right, it's like, that's industry and a factory in the right. water. And I feel like I feel like I'm going to die. And then, oh, but look at these masks and all this joy. And then yeah. look at this slime. And, and it's, yeah, it's a little bit of everything there. All right. Moving on to our category of quotes. What are the last words heard before the first Death Star explodes? Your three minutes starts now. Oh, last words. Oh. There's, a, there's the countdown. Yeah. Wait. Well, we're, we're, it's connected to to what we were just talking about. This is the first Death Star. Right. Yeah. The first Death okay. Star. Okay. So let's set the scene. So Luke, he's Red Leader. Isn't that correct? He's making the oh, run. He's, he's, he's actually red. Rogue Squadron, but it's while they're still called Red Squadron. It's before the name change. He's Red okay. 5. Red 5. But right. All the so rest of them die, so he ends up, yeah. Right. So Red 5 all, standing by. They're all making the run on the Death Star, and it's going poorly. And the other guy makes the run on the trench, and it seems to go well, but then, no, it didn't go in. Mm-hmm. It impacted on the surface. Mm-hmm. And so then it's Luke's turn to make the run, 
And what's been happening is that anytime somebody starts making the run, which is under the range of the cannons, the TIE fighters drop in behind and the, the rebel X-wings can't go anywhere and so they get blown up from behind. So that's all happening to Luke. And in the meantime, Ben Kenobi's voice is in his head and he's like, use the force, Luke. And so he puts away his view screen. And then just when Darth Vader is about to execute unknowingly or perhaps knowingly his own son, suddenly the TIE fighter to the left of him blows up and then he's hit and and out of nowhere the Millennium Falcon shows up and it turns out that Han Solo didn't in fact just run away with the money. He had a change of heart, came back and saved the day. Mm-hmm. So I believe the last line is Han Solo's. I think so. And it's something to the effect of you're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this, this thing and let's get out of here. He does say it is, I have you now. And then Vader's, and then what? And then you, right. you're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. But the question was, right before the Death Star goes boom, the last thing spoken. Is it Tarkin? Uh, unless I'm no Tarkin's just it's just a He's shot just of him. Yeah. But there is a technician we hear saying, "Stand yeah. by, stand by." I think yeah. I was trying and, to remember oh. if there's a number in that countdown they're doing right before they yeah. shoot the laser, or if it's the stand by. There's I, an un- I, yeah yeah. There is an unnamed technician, and and because I was like, yeah, it's Han Solo, and and that's why it was great that oh, you just led me through that whole thing. It's like, no, it's standby. Standby. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. yeah. So wow. the last main character to speak is your old clear kid is go to the thing and go home and then Luke's, right. Gah. Well, the good thing is we have only two last points remaining. Call. So if somehow we're on the wrong foot here, we're okay. But I would go, Brian, I would go with your memory and say Agreed. that it's standby, it's standby. Two standbys on standby, standby. Yeah, I say we go with it. All right, so the question was, in the category of quotes, what are the last words heard before the first Death Star explodes? For two points, the team says, stand by. The answer, stand by. Yes. A little worried about that one. Well done. As you guys were talking through it and Brian came in with the play-by-play at the last minute. Good job, Brian Han soloed to our Luke Skywalker on that one. (laughs) I have to to say that a lot of these questions are very tricky because they have a built-in red herring where it's like, oh, well, obviously it's this. Yeah. Obviously it's Han Solo. Yeah, a a tip of a blue milk-filled glass to the writing team on this one. Yep. Thanks, Amparo. Well, I have a filming (laughs) fact about that scene that you just talked us through play-by-play. Obviously, I think if they were filming that scene now, there would be a lot of amazing CGI employed. But back in 1977, they didn't have the technology that we have now. So the effects in that movie were shot practically. So during the final assault, that trench run segment that Omen just narrated was filmed by building miniatures of the surface of the Death Star across six ping pong tables. And then they (laughs) ran the camera along the surface as they exploded the pyrotechnics. And that's how they captured Mm -hmm. that scene i think i've actually seen photos of that setup and you know the reason that scene sticks so strongly in my memory is i just i just love it so much and i sometimes when i'm driving my fiat 500 abart on the highways of (laughs) orlando i imagine myself a little bit just being like use the force (laughs) over i will say there's a there's a an early documentary that was on the first vhs box set of the star wars trilogy called from star wars to jedi yeah and it it goes into great detail behind the scenes for all the practical effects and shows the amazing camera developments that they had you know george lucas invented a few camera techniques to film Star wow. Wars the way that, that he envisioned and going back to his, you know, kind of auteur days as a, as a filmmaker. So really, really cool stuff. You can find the whole thing on YouTube these days. If you're interested, I encourage you to find it. It's outstanding. That's a really good one. I love that, Doc. Well, that brings us to our final question of the game. This one is a multi-part question, and it's also the only question today that our team can lose points on. Our trivia team can decide to wager either five points or zero points on the final question, but in order to earn the five points, they will have to get every portion of the final correct. If they miss any portion of the final question, they will lose whatever they have wagered. Since this is a multi-part question, I will give them five minutes to decide on their answer. And now for a score update to help this team decide on a wagering strategy. Heading into this final question, the trivia team today has a total of 24 points. 
out of a maximum possible final score of 30. So, our final category is ships. Oh, Ooh. yes. <laughs> the team excited about ships, Omen cheering, Brian just nodding knowingly and confidently. Excellent. The question is, place the following ships in order of maximum speed and atmosphere from slowest to fastest, according to the Star Wars book, Super Graphic, a visual guide to a galaxy far, far away. And your ships are A, A A-Wing Starfighter, B, Millennium Falcon, C, Solar Sailor, and D, TIE Interceptor. Your five minutes Uh begins now. Wow. The thing that's tripping me up about this is that it's in In atmosphere. atmosphere, Right. And you don't really see... Yeah, well, like I can't recall. Have Brian? Maybe correct me if you can recall. I, have we seen? Yes, we have seen an A wing. I was gonna say, have we seen an A wing in At- Atmo? But we did in Rogue One, didn't we? In the squadron yeah. that penetrates Scarif, there are A wings there, and they are pursued yeah. by interceptors. So we've seen both of those speedy ships in Atmo uh, and in Rise of Skywalker as well. Oh, that's right. Um, there's it's kind of in the atmosphere. I may or may not have a, blocked that one out, but yes. Well, I've, I I'm gonna let it on in. Um, <laughs> I mean, I haven't read the book. I, I don't I don't have it. I, so I'm yeah. just gonna be you know freeballing it here. Is there a way that we can definitively say which one of these is absolutely fastest? I mean, can we yeah. get that out of the way? Well, sublight we definitely can. But but atmosphere throws a little wrinkle in. Can somebody remind me what the solar sailor is? The solar mm. surfer? It's it's it, Dooku's ship. Yeah, that he the uses one that unfurls the, the, the solar of, sail. If I had to guess, that's the slowest. Oh yeah, because yeah. in atmosphere it can't. It must have some. Yeah, it's, some, got, it's got a sublight engine for in atma. The the solar sail was for interstellar. I'm uh, t- going with what the what's the fastest? Tie interceptors are the faster version of the tie fighter, and they sacrifice. Things like safety and shields for outrageous speed. It's right. like when some of the rebel pilots get in them in some of the books, yeah. they're like, this is like a whole new kind of, it's like, it's, it's so unsafe. Track. Yeah, it's, but wow. It's a little bit like yeah. operating a Fiat 500 Abarth. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, what right. isn't, Omen? In the Rogue series, uh, or the X-Wing series, I should say, the Wedge Antilles, who's in the movies, but we get to know him really well in the books. He has an inner monologue that talks about what it's like getting inside a TIE fighter because they they go behind enemy lines disguised as Imperials or Imperial Remnant in TIE fighters, which t- regular TIE fighters also don't have shields. The only TIE, standard TIE that has shields is a TIE Defender. So the Interceptor yeah. and the and the fighter both don't, and the Interceptor is a super, super fast version. But the A-Wing is just two engines with a body and a very, very mild shield generator around it. I mean, the A-Wing is commonly described as extremely hard to control because it's so fast, because it's just engines, you know, you're in a chassis surrounded by engine. I I would put that second fastest because it has, like, some some better weaponry on it and it's, you know, it has shields. You're you're not going to die as fast. Those ships care a little bit more about their pilot. Right. Hmm. The Falcon being bigger, but because of Han's special modifications himself, I'd say that's likely third. And then well, she'll do point five past light speed, so you know. Yeah, but she's got it. <laughs> she's got it where it counts. And then Dooku's, you know, pretty much his his little flying space chariot with a droid driving it is. I, I'd say that's probably last. But for all we know, in atmosphere, in this book, it'd say, well, in atmosphere, that's actually the fastest, and I'd be like, and we're sunk. So right. that's just. Well, but I think trick- you got to go with the rationale, though. I think you got to go with what you think in that. We, we've talked ourselves out of more right answers in this section of the game than we have talked ourselves into right answers here. That's true. Okay, yeah. let, me, let me just throw this at you, though, because we, we are talking about in Atmo. Shields don't don't have a drag coefficient, to the best of our knowledge, and the A wing is more aerodynamically shaped than the Tie Interceptor. The Tie Interceptor has four wings. That's Last more call. surface area to create drag. But what about weight? It is lighter, probably. Yeah, so, there's okay. like there's no weight. Yeah, all right. And it's, and I think I, that's a talk out because again, the tie we know is just ridiculously fast. Okay, I'm the, I'm good with that. I thing, just wanted to talk it through. I think the thing that could once again screw us up here is Count Dooku, and that Solar <laughs> Sailor, where it's like that, no, that actually, Solar Sailor, yeah. I I mean it, it's great, but I what I'd propose 
is Interceptor first, A-Wing second, Falcon third, and Dooku boat fourth. All right. So then the question is, do we want to wager the points? And Brian, if we get any portion of this wrong, we actually get those points deducted from our score. So yeah. we could drop down to 19 or jump up to 29. I mean, I really want those points. You know? yeah, I no. say let's do it. <laughs> I think right. we do it. Book it. I think we got to go for it. Yeah. All right. So in the category of May ships. May the force be with us. Sorry. <laughs> The category of ships, as a reminder, the question was, place the following ships in order of maximum speed in atmosphere from slowest to fastest. According to the Star Wars book, Super Graphic, a visual guide to a galaxy far, far away. And just to confirm, you are wagering the five points. Is that correct? Heck yes. Heck yes. All right. So add to the suspense here a little bit. We'll start with the slowest. I know Brian was a little worried about Count Dooku messing things up once again, as he always does. That is correct. Solar Sailor is the slowest. Yes. Next up, you guys said Millennium Falcon. That is correct. Yes. Down to the last two. Here we go. Oh, God. The suspense is killing me. You said A-Wing Starfighter with TIE Interceptor being the fastest. At this point, how confident are you guys? Just curious. It's decreasing every minute. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think 60%. Like about 60? Yeah, 60. Yeah, good. DJ made some good points. So, hmm. If you I'm had big, the chance you know. to take back the wager, would you take it back or would you? No, no. I'd commit. You gotta right. commit to the. You're a more efficient it. torturer than an imperial inquisitor. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I am enjoying the torture. And... You're supposed to be a rebel. You're supposed to be a rebel leader. Oh, sorry. Right. I, I have only <laughs> kindness and love for everyone on the podcast and in yeah, the yeah. alliance. Hate to tell you guys. No. The fastest is the A-wing starfighter. Oh, I can't explain it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna blame it on the super graphic visual guide to a galaxy far, far away, and some technicality of being an atmosphere. But sadly, you guys lose the five points, which means that our trivia team had a final score today of 19 out of a total possible 30 points. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in for this special Star Wars-themed edition of our show. And Brian, thank you again so much for joining us. This was so much fun. Before you head out to the cantina, would you like to remind our listeners one more time where they can find you to enjoy more Star Wars content? Absolutely. And I'd also like to add, DJ, you are absolutely right. Next time, I'm just going (laughs) to shut up and listen to you. (laughs) No, don't tell him that. We'll never hear the end of it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, man. But this is a bond now, for, forged and failure. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, all of those socials, at Brian Silliman. It's at B-R-I-A-N, S is in Sky Guy, I-L-L-I-M-A-N. You can find the podcast that I'm on with my friends Caitlin Bush and Matt Romano at Return of the Pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and all that. You can find Return of the Pod, the podcast itself, on wherever you get your podcasts. And you could also find us at returnofthepod.net, which is we're really proud of that URL. And so, as we say, hope is like the sun. If you only believe in it when you can see it, you'll never make it through the night. Mm. Oh. Listeners, check out Brian, check out Return of the Pod, and if you are looking for more trivia fun, Head over to lastcalltrivia.com to check out our live shows, private events, and more. We will be back next week for another episode of Last Call Trivia Podcast. Until then, stay curious. Now, just because we didn't get 20 points, we're going to get mind probed. <laughs> you know, um, I just want to throw a question out to the group here. Brian, Kelly is usually part of the team, the, the competing team, and I typically host, but since I'm such a Star Wars geek, I, I requested I wanted to take part in the team for this episode. But she did such a great job hosting. Is she a Mary Sue?
Would she be considered a Mary Sue for doing so well here tonight? No, I, I wouldn't mean? dare. What does that no. mean? Um, I feel like it's an I, insult. Package is some is. kind of compliment. You know what? It I is, tried. It is. They call no, they call a character a character like Ray and Mary Sue. It's like, oh, she's too powerful. She everything comes easy to her. She can just do everything, forgetting that, you know, with minimal force training and everything, Luke was doing the same stuff. Anakin won a pod race when he was three. You know, it's you know, it's it's himself, yeah. But that's it's part of the it's it's part of the patriarchy, Kelly. It's why it's why people don't like Taylor Swift. I don't care even about though, the patriarchy. Yeah, it's the exact same you, thing. I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't envy your job, James Flippin, because the thing that really got me was timekeeping. That's where everything yeah. fell apart. We should have talked. I have, I have an online timer that I that I yeah, but I don't have enough stuff. room on screen to like see everything. I needed. I wanted to see you guys. That's why. That's why I printed out like 17 pages of information. Man, 19. That is. That's. That's not good. Well, Brian, well, that just means you're gonna have to come back. That's yeah, right. we should mm-hmm. we should have had we should have had that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is, this is grasp. the thing. This is the thing with this podcast is is we often get really close to a perfect score. It's very rare that we get the bonus correct. That one we yeah. we just we have a real knack for talking really logically through something, agreeing that we all have you know a, a pretty reasonable answer to it, and then being wildly off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to to know if you know the answer to this, Brian. You know, I know originally George Lucas's idea was that the whole Star Wars saga was part of the Journal of the Wills, I think it was called. Yep. Is that yeah. still part of canon? Like, do we know who the Wills are? Did we ever learn anything about that? They're yeah, referenced it's ki- in Rogue One. Yeah, it's changed. It's kind of, it was originally called the Star Wars, the Adventures of Luke Starkiller, taken from the Journals of the Wills. Mm. It was more wrapped up in when they were called the Jedi Bendu. But in terms of the Wills, I don't think it's the same as what it was when he originally created it. But as DJ said in Rogue One, we meet some guardians of the Wills, Chirrut mm. and Bazer, that's what they're called, in the ruins of a temple on Jeddah. And there are some creatures in Clone Wars that when Yoda does a real journey into the Force uh, that we think are wills, but they don't actually say it. But that's kind of at least my own headcanon that they're wills. So it's wasn't more to be revealed there. Uh, so it's like a different there... sect almost? Of, of... It, it's kind of like a, almost on a different plane. They're not Jedi. They're, you know, kind of some kind of spiritual, as I understand it, at least yeah. it could be way up. But like... A, a spiritual being. They're not of the flesh. They're more luminous. Oh, Isn't wow. there an episode, Brian, of, I want to say it's Rebels, where they take a similar kind of journey. I think they crash land on a planet, and then it turns out it's not a planet at all. It's like a, a collection of dust that's held together by energy that has manifested itself to look like a planet temporarily, and they, they meet a brother and a sister and a, and a, oh, and a that, father. Oh, yeah, that's on, on Clone Wars. That's uh, Mortis, the yeah. famous Mortis trilogy, which is right. okay. season three, which is beloved. And that's an incredible Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka story. Okay, yep, gotcha. Um, and that's just nuts. The stuff but that's not do. the same thing. No, what? no, it, it's different, but it's fantastic all the same. But, uh, I mean, just to, to pin in, in what you asked, James, it's with, with the wills, it's, at least for me, I'm not, I'm ultimately not really sure. Whatever George Lucas originally thought they were, and in his head, they're really just they like borrowing names and changing them right. and like yeah. Bendu is completely different from what it once was I mean at one point Han Solo was a green fish guy with gills right. Luke Starkiller was an old man you know it was it, they just to, very very different DJ to one of your points about mythology and Kelly I think you might actually appreciate this when George Lucas was first working on these stories and I think maybe in that transition point between some of like, oh, I have all these amazing sci-fi ideas and then bringing it to what the form that we know it is today. He had help from Joseph Campbell, who's the celebrated 20th century mythologist. And his whole whole body of work was about comparing mythology from different cultures on the planet that had no contact with each other and saying, okay— in this story, it's a it's a green guy with a huge bow, and in this story, it's a it's a red guy with a huge axe. But it's the same story, and so one of the things that he encouraged George Lucas to do was to connect these stories to the very basic fundamental 
human needs of storytelling. And that's where you get into the hero's journey. That's where that's why Star Wars is so effective, especially with those first three films, because it's tied in so directly to mythology that for humankind goes back millennia and millennia and millennia. It's really three things. It's it's what you were just saying, Joseph Campbell and the hero with a thousand faces. It's the old Buck Rogers serials and mm-hmm. Akira Kurosawa. Right. Yes, absolutely. Put yep. those three things together, mix them around, add a little and, George Lucas. That's yep. Star Wars. Brian, great stuff, man. Really, really appreciate you joining us tonight. This was awesome. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends. You're always a welcome part of the team at the Last Call Trivia Podcast.